Talent Show, where you come to be inspired, educated, and empowered to live a passionate and effective life on purpose. The number one podcast show for inspiring women. This is the podcast where we support you in living your best life ever, even while raising happy, healthy kids. Tired of feeling stuck in a rut with nowhere to turn for resources and advice? We can help. Achieve your best life ever by listening to our podcast show. Introducing the woman who believes it's possible to be totally fulfilled in all circumstances of life. The host of the Dr. Gwen Show, The Dr. Gwen. Welcome everyone to the Dr. Gwen Show. I am very delighted for you to join me today. And we have today joining us Onyx Burrell. And Onyx is the founder and CEO of Amenta's Key LLC, which is a soap-making company. You will learn a little bit more about this as she started her entrepreneurial journey a few years ago. So today we are interviewing Onyx, and I know this interview today will be very interesting and inspiring for you women out there who've always thought about starting something in your area of passion, and yet you've been completely confused about what you need to do and how to get started. And also you may have boxed yourself inside of a limit of the definition of business or work as limited by the coursework that's offered at the universities or the schools of higher learning or even high school, for example. So here you will see how a simple hobby was made into a very successful business as we listen to Onyx being interviewed now. I invite you to join me and get some pen and paper because towards the end she shares some contact information on how you can get a hold of her product. Listen now. Welcome, Onyx, to the Dr. Gwen Show. I am so incredibly delighted to have you here joining me. And I know the women in our audience will be very inspired by what you have to share with us today. Well, thank you for having me, Dr. Gwen. How are you? I am doing amazing. So I know, Onyx, you and I have had some conversations in the past about your beginnings, where you started, and where you are now. And now you are an entrepreneur that is in a soap-making business that you have started on your own, and this business is also supporting your lifestyle. But before we, we start there, I would like us to go back to your beginning. Where did you start out first before you came to this journey, and then what led you to this point where you are right now? Okay. Well, actually, um, I'm an artist by nature. I grew up in performing arts schools, visual arts schools. Um, that's kind of been my area. So this is, soap making is really an extension of that. It's a visual art form for me. It's not just, you know, um, I make soap that gets you clean. A lot of the soap I make is, you know, designed and with patterns and colors. It's similar to painting. So I actually got my feet wet. I would say back in college, um, and I majored in photography. Actually, go figure. So um, that's really where I got my feet wet. uh, Learning about entrepreneurship, I did direct sales. um, I I did worked 
full time. I went to school. I was doing all these things, and I thought the natural thing for me to do would be to um, get into a career related to my degree, Mm -hmm. right? So it's interesting how I ended up here, but, um, you know, I would take, I would um, just be freelancing word of mouth and really learning what it's like to be off on my own. So I got a kind of a head start compared to, I think, most people um, who become entrepreneurs. They they take the, the path of going through corporate America and realizing that that's not for them and then sparking all that. I think most of the entrepreneurs I've talked to, at least that's what's happened. So I've taken a different approach. Um, I started very, very early. Sure. So yeah. how long did you, between the time frame when you left college, and mm-hmm. how, for how long did you do that photography piece before you discovered what you're doing now? Okay. Well, I was, oh, man. Um, <laughs> I was working that. I was so passionate about it, so I was working it from, like, every angle, you know. So um, that was back in '09, I would say. '09, um, a lot of things happened. I ended up leaving school. Um, I realized that I'm, that might not have been the best decision for me to go to school for something um, that I could do without the degree. Like, I learned a lot, and it's not a popular opinion, but sometimes you do have to take that leap and be like, this is not, I've tried this, this isn't working, this is slowing me down. I had incurred a lot of debt going to school for a photography degree, um, so I needed to remedy that immediately. But I would say there were so many things going on in my life around that time. I was 19 year old, a 19-year-old, and I fell in love. I eloped with my husband, who I'm still married to today, And um, he's a big part of my story and how the soap making really took off because he's my rock and he's been encouraging me to find myself. So um, back in 2011 is really where we made the switch. It was a project that we went on together. My husband's mother, she was actually diagnosed with um, stomach cancer. So she started undergoing radiation and chemotherapy. And that was having so many negative effects on her skin. And, you know, it was, um, I don't know if you've ever, you know, gone through that or known someone who's gone through the process. That it's very uh, wearing on your skin. So we had to do a lot of research and things like that. But I had already been making soap and scrubs and things as Christmas gifts for people and things like that. So uh, we just did a little bit more research at the end, and it just it really started there. So okay, yeah. I don't like. I can go on and on and on about this. <laughs> well, yeah, and I want Feel free to, to chime in. No, absolutely. So '09, you you started pretty much, or you left school. Is that what it was? Yeah, um, it was work. Okay. Yeah, I got. I left Right. And so in the midst of life, even though life was happening to you, you still had the fortitude of mind to consider doing something different and looking at your options. And I love that about what you're sharing here because a lot of times I find that women allow the circumstances that are happening with them in the Mm -hmm. current moment to halt them and to 
stop them dead in their tracks, completely offsetting whatever their goals were for their own personal life. Correct. And also I noticed you said you also found your sweetheart then. Yes. And in the midst of that, yeah. That, yes, I mean, in the midst of that, you still were able to continue and develop towards a business. Because, you know, some, some women think that having a man is a plan. And right. Once they find one, they don't have to go off to do anything for themselves. But you didn't think that way. No. And actually, it's a testament to when you are following your intuition or your spirit or, you know, if you're religious, then you are listening to God, right? Mm -hmm. So I knew at the time that I was digging myself deeper and deeper into debt and working and working and working and working for something that wasn't really meant for me. So when I let go of that and I decided, you know what, swallow my pride, a lot of it was I was being coached that this is the right thing to do, to go to school for what you want to do and then make a career out of it. So you don't want to let people around you down, you know, and you got to put your pride aside and be like, this is not for me. And as soon as I did made that shift to be like, you know what, this isn't it. I need to go figure out who I am and what I want to do. And I have a lot of talents, so I need to fixate on, on what is actually um, my ultimate passion. You know what I'm saying? So once oh, I that happened, everything else just fell into place, really. Isn't and that's, that beautiful? Think, yeah, and that's when I met. Like I said, I, I bumped into my husband. It was love at first sight. And actually come to find out, we have a lot of history between our families and things like that. Um, and we have actually met each other before. We just oh. didn't know it. So there was a, you know, I, I'm a spiritual person. Yeah. And I trust my no accident. No accidents. No coincidence. No accident at all. I What you are saying just is really exciting me because <laughs> the power of the intuition, the power yeah. of listening to that internal guide, and many of us like brush it off to say, oh, that's just a passing thought. You know, I'm just going to keep going to school, racking up the debt, because that's what society sets up the standard to be. And if you don't have a college degree or if you don't finish college, then your friends and family are going to frown on you. And people allow those things to drive their decisions. But you didn't. What gave you that internal fortitude that you could be able to make a decision like that knowing that your friends and your family would not probably approve? <laughs> well, if you ask any of them, I've always been the go to, go to the beat of my own drum um, yeah. <laughs> kind of person. Yeah. But my mother has, I think, I really have to give credit to her and my older sister. They really, really, having a strong support network of women, there's uh-huh. so much you can do with that. But my mom uh-huh. has always encouraged me no matter what, to be like, well, what's the worst that's going to happen? You fail? Oh, my God. Like, what what comes after that? What's the worst that could possibly happen? Possibly happen. And if it's not something that um, you will never be able to bounce back from, I think that holds people back. So I'm kind of like a lioness. I'm not afraid of of, of falling. Yeah. Awesome. Very awesome. And that principle that your mom taught you is also a, a Dale Carnegie principle to offset worry because people worry and fret about a lot of things. And the principle goes something like this. 
where you ask yourself, what is the very worst thing that could happen if you take the action that you're about to take? And then process that and plan. If the worst thing happens, then this is what I'm going to do. And then just let it go. Make your plans about what you're going to do. And you conquered that pretty early in life, so much to the point that, you know, it has brought you here. Um, to your your passion, really living your passion. And in a minute, I'm going to have you talk about how you developed your, you know, the process that you went through to get to where you are. And it may not be a major process of any kind. However, okay. just so that people can get an idea of the complexity or simplicity of really getting started with right. something that they love to do. So when you followed your intuition and you thought, okay, I, am, I don't want to be racking up all of this debt. I can actually do this without a degree. And right. you stepped out to do it. You found that things started falling in place. This is where a lot of people get stuck in life. They are, are not tuned in to their, that internal voice, that intuition that guides them and tells them what they need to do. And so yes. they find that things, were, things are not flowing as much as they should be. Now, was that your experience before you listened to your intuition? Did you find that yes. you had challenges? Tell us about that. Yes. yes. Well, just to give you an example, um, my husband's a traveler. Uh, he used to drive a CDL truck, right? So we're, we're not unfamiliar with, you know, the road life, being on the road. And yeah. so um, just to give you an example, when we found out his mother was sick, we moved to um, Charlotte where she was from Massachusetts. Um, that's about, what, 800, 900 miles? And we, we tried. We went there and we tried to stick it out. Um, and it's just like little things will get in your way when you're not living in your purpose. Trust me on that one. So it's just a matter of whether you're receptive to listening because a lot of the time our ego will try to um, work a problem even though we've gone through all of the steps that would solve it and we will continue after that. And it's a a little bit different than like, okay, I'm trusting my intuition. I know this is what's supposed to be happening. It's something completely different where you're like, I know that this is impossible or this is not really where I should be, but I'm going to continue to try and try and try and try and try. And then you will not be rewarded for it is what I'm getting at. Like, if you're working for the problem, if that makes sense, because if you're working on a problem, you should be progressing, right? You should never feel like, oh, this this is um, this is not working. You shouldn't feel that way when you're making st- active steps and um, making um, progress. You know, you shouldn't feel like this isn't working. You should be feeling like delighted. Doors will open up. People will start coming into your life that you didn't even know you needed. You know, so that's a big thing about you know getting out there and being like once you decide to do something, go out. So we had decided after. Um, Charlotte wasn't working out, we tried to move back to Massachusetts. And Massachusetts just wasn't having us. <laughs> little thing from the second, I mean, sign after sign after sign. Literally, you know, like I said, I'm a photographer, so I'm capturing the journey. 
So I actually have physical proof that this is not working out. Like, this is not what we're supposed to be doing. But we pushed anyway, right? So I had lined up an apartment. We lined up an apartment um, in the middle of where we're from and where we wanted to be, right? We thought that would be the perfect uh, location that we could have access to our family but also move into the city and make moves and, you know, build on our careers, right? Well, the week before we were supposed to move in, I mean, we signed the lease, gave the deposits and everything. We get a call from the landlord, and he's like, oh, um, actually, we rented this to someone else. So I don't know if you've ever been on a big, uh, basically, cross-country move. It's like, what do you do with all your stuff? (laughs) What do you do? I mean, living in, you know, I was staying in a hotel in between that time frame, so I'm, like, literally pouring out money at that point because I was under the impression that we'd be moving into a place within a week. You know, that type of stuff. So I'm like, okay, my, my time is being wasted. This is not what's supposed to happen. There was a couple other things. Um, I think a tornado rolled through. Like, sometimes, obviously, signs are not that, of, mm-hmm. like, in your face. But <laughs> a lot of times it is. And you can choose to listen to it or you can choose not to. But we right. moved. We were like, okay, this is not going to work. And so although we didn't want to pack up our Jetta at the time, our car, again, we were minimal people. I'm, I'm a minimal type person. I don't, I don't need a lot. So we were able to pack our whole lives into this car. And we were like, we don't want to do that again, but we know we have to. So we came down to Georgia, and we settled here in Atlanta, and um, – we bought our house, and our our babies are getting big, and this is it. And I really feel comfortable and confident in the decision. And as that has happened, that's, again, where the, the soap making and all that has been able to grow and thrive. Your plans were thwarted to move across country because you yeah. weren't really following whatever you felt that your passions were. So then what, at what point now did you make the decision that you're going to start doing what and how did you know that was it? Well, I'm trying to be PC, um, and I'll just be upfront. A lot of the reason why I knew I needed to let go of photography was because the subject matter that I was interested in, my audience was not. And at the time, I was photographing um, things that we're now just now as a society being able to talk about, um, mm-hmm. playing with gender roles and gender fluid- fluidity and um, all the black girl magic and all of that, that's what, I was, that's what I was fixated on. That's where my eye was. That's what I wanted to shoot. But that was not, at the time, what, like I said, my audience wanted. So I had to make a decision. Am I going to make my art for me, or am I going to make my art for others? Mm. And that, very powerful question and, there. Ooh. Yeah, and it's something, you know, if you're an artist, it's a very personal experience. So it's like, yeah, I want to, yeah, I would love to do, um, I would love to do photography still, but now it's on my, my terms and I don't feel bound to, um, I don't feel bound to fit into anyone's box anymore. I don't feel bound to fit into the frame. So a lot of the subject matter and things that I care about, I feel like now I can do that now that my livelihood is not attached to it. So, you know, I am a mompreneur. I have two babies to feed, you know, so I can't, I 
I wasn't able to make that call. And becoming a mother also had a lot to play into this. But when we have time, we'll go talk about what that even looks like being a mother. Right. <laughs> and that's for another show completely. Yeah. Right. So I, and I, I would love to take you up on that too for a little later. But now, so you've made a very, very important thought here. You said, am I going to make my art for me or am I going to make it for my audience? And that is yeah. a powerful question simply because when we are actually thinking about doing the things we love, it has to please both parties. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't step out and say, okay, I'm going to do my art because it makes my audience happy. Because right. if I am not happy in the process, then it just doesn't work. So you found there was a crossroads for you where you needed to ask yourself that question and you needed an answer that gave you the response that, hey, I want to be happy and I want my audience to be happy. And that led you to the soap making. And you said you were doing that for a little bit as a hobby in the background. So how did you come to decide that that was going to be it? Well, two two things happened. I kind of got forced into it. So Mm -hmm. um, my husband was the one that was actually actively, like, making soap. I was just there kind of, you know, helping around and doing things like that. Not as a career. He was just, we were just making soap, right, making scrubs and butters. And during the time when his mom was sick, it, it really, any kind of artistic project usually is like stress relief for a lot of people. So if you can imagine the type of stress we were under, you can imagine how much soap we were making. Yeah. So... Uh, my kitchen was stacked, bars and bars just stacked. And it becomes like, okay, well, we were originally just doing this as a hobby and for our own personal needs for his mom, for for our family gifts, things like that. And my daughter, when she was an infant, she had really, really bad eczema. I mean, she literally couldn't use anything, so I had to make for her. Had to. That was a necessity. Um, My mom's best friend, one of her best friends growing up, she lives in our area. And now she came by to visit and see the baby, and her and her daughters come in my house, and was just like, what is that smell? Uh, and then just like, she just walked into the kitchen. <laughs> She's like, oh, my God, why is that so here? And it's like, she wanted to buy it. She bought it right there, and I still have the receipt. I think this is 2011. Yeah, and I still have the receipt. And um, she said, girl, you have to sell this. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I didn't want to, and I didn't want to, you know, I was actually intimidated. I'm like, after oh. dealing with the photography situation and that not panning out, I was a little hesitant to be like, let me start another business venture. But you oh. know what, like oh. I said, um, I kind of got forced into it. People are like, no, you need to sell this. Please, please just sell it. Please, please figure out whatever you need to do to get this on the market. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. Like, I kind of got forced into that. And when you say got forced into that, is it something like you went in there kicking and screaming, you didn't like it, and you just had to do it and grit your teeth and do it? Or I noticed you also said you were intimidated because you, you you know, leaving from photography and coming to something else, there might have been a little bit of uncertainty about starting something new and whether it would work for you, which is what a lot of women experience. 
jumping from one career or one field to another. So you just got your start like that. And were you like kicking and screaming going in or how did that look? It was like, (laughs) it was like, like I said, I'm an enabler for most people. So, but when it, it was just like, um, okay, and that's why I was like, follow up. I just dismissed it. I'm like, well, I just want to make this for myself. You know, I just want to be happy and humble with my, my own right. little um, thing going on. I want to interrupt this and change it because of business, you know, the inherent nature of business. And now, again, I would be in the position of making for other people. At the time, that was my, my thought process. Like, this is my art, and it's mine and I don't want to share it, right? I didn't want to share it. I'm like, can I just have something for myself? But then yeah, yeah. I, um, like I said, when you when spirit's moving, then this gentleman um, was like, what was it, the way that he said it, he said that I was being selfish, actually, was the word he was using. He was wow. like, you have all these products. You have all this stuff, and you're just making it and making it and making it, and you're just going to give it away, but you're also you're not sharing that your gift with with people who may actually need it. Oh. And that's what shifted my thinking because, you know, I was making it for a need. Got to it. Need. Got it. To I need. Got it. So I was making for a need. And so I was like, okay. And I'm not a selfish person. I'm oh. really not. And I will literally sure. give the clothes off my back to anybody. So right. that's what I was like, all right, fine, dude. I will check it out, and I will do a little bit of research and see what I need to do, what kind of licenses I need and things like that. And sure enough, I entered a contest with Sam's Club and Score, the Score Foundation, uh, about four yeah. months after we had launched. We had launched, we did a quiet launch in, uh, during the Christmas season, and again, it was just, it was booming. And four months later, just four months, we got a national uh, award. Wow, congratulations on that. And that was like, that was the, really the deciding moment where I'm like, this could go so much farther and grow so much bigger than I ever even thought of. It's right. time for me to start looking at this like there's more opportunities and there's more opportunities for me to share with people. I'm still mm-hmm. working on that where I want to be able to um, show people how to make soap a lot of people in general were just too surprised that I even made soap. So that's something that's I learned during the journey where they're like, oh, my God, how, do you, how did you do that? Because they're so yeah. used to just buying it. And I'm like, no, I want everybody to know how to make their own soap, just like you make it's, your own food. I want you to be to make your own soap. So, um, amazing, amazing stuff. <laughs> amazing stuff, Onyx Burrell. This is just really inspirational. I know for sure there are a lot of women who are the, the, the popcorn's going to go popping in their head with what they can do now because they were limiting themselves inside of a box of what they thought was their possibility. Do you know you have opened up the world to a lot of people? So you coming here saying kicking and screaming wasn't necessarily that you were kicking and screaming doing the soap making, but starting it as a business. Correct. I Um, understand. So, yes, amazing, amazing stuff. Can you just share with us what were the processes? Did you have to go through any kind of training? I know you started off as a freelancer with your 
photography, so you were already somewhat in that space. But how right. would you explain to someone who has a hobby to take that hobby and get it started in their own way, even if it's just a small way to start off? So we understand that they have to call their state and get all the paperwork and everything else established. Yeah. That's the business establishment side. As far yeah. as the production side for you personally, <laughs> how would you say to some woman who may be listening right now, and maybe she's sewing or doing crochet or something else, what would be the steps that you would tell her aside from the getting in touch with the state piece? How okay. would they get started? Well, first, the first thing is sourcing materials. Um, I would suggest, like, if you already are in the process of, you, you say you make dresses already, you don't need to go through the learning curve of learning how to do that. Um, mm-hmm. Say you're already making them, that's when you would go into sourcing your materials. And for me, I have criteria. I prefer to shop small first right? and locally. So that, that's something for me. But you have to decide, you know, really where you want to go and have your end result in mind. That's going to drive everything else. So as this is, that's something I wish I had known from the beginning. Because mm-hmm. it's something that you're still de- I'm still developing now. Where do I want to go? And envisioning the end result so I can make the necessary steps to get there. So I'm kind of working backwards with my um, that way. But if yeah. you're just getting started, anything you want to source your materials because you need them, you want quality. You know, if you're a single individual person or you're an indie brand or a small business, one of the main reasons why people are shopping with you is because they want quality. It's easy for them to go to uh, Walmart and buy um, a bar of soap that, you know, may or may not irritate them. Sure. It's, that's easy. And so if they're shopping with me, they're shopping with me because they want a quality product. I can go to any clothing store and get a dress, but what makes it special coming from someone else is they put, you know, love and care into that. So factory made. It's got a lot of energy to it. So yeah. that's, that's one of the things, the source of materials and, you know, really pay attention to those details. So clarify for us what you mean by source your materials. Okay. Well, I mean decide where, like I said, where you want to go. So for, let's say, you want to paint, right? Are you going to go into Hobby Lobby or Michael's? and buy paint there, probably not cost-effective for your business, right? And chances are the quality is not as good as somewhere you can find um, online or wherever. So, um, or like a privately owned paint manufacturer. You want to get as close to the source as possible is how I I treat it, as close to the source. So for me, I work with natural ingredients. So naturally, I would try to have an olive uh, uh, olive tree farm around, you know. <laughs> I like to get as close sure. to the actual source as possible. So um, that's what I mean by sourcing is if awesome. you can get the best grade of whatever you're trying to do uh, for the most cost-effective price for you. Because a lot of us get into a lot of um, small businesses and artists get into trouble where we are. Um, 
maybe not taking that approach. So in the beginning, you say you're experimenting and you're wasting a lot of ingredients and things doing trial and error. Well, if you're paying retail prices for that, not wholesale prices, then you're losing a lot of money. Yeah. And it's not to say, oh, you should, you know, buy in bulk immediately. It's just try to find, um, be minimal with your spending in the early times while you're trying to figure things out. What I'm saying by right. sourcing. Um, what do you recommend, like, for customers, and how would they step out to get their first set of customers? And many people go, well, I don't have the money to start a business. But as you just said, you know, you, it doesn't have to be, like, a massive overhaul to start. You can right. start small and build from there, right? Yeah. And then how do you yeah. find customers? Honestly, I feel like that's the only way to do that is to start small. Um, if, I would I would not suggest going all in. Um, yeah. Amentus Key is not the first brand for soap making. I won't even mention the other one, but we had to do a trial, right? You mm-hmm. have to. It, um, that's I think a lot of people's misconception is that we get into any business and you think, oh well, this is this is a great idea, so this is just going to take off. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you have to be uh, not willing. But you have to be ready to fail the first, at least the first time. Just be ready. Be like, oh, okay, this may not work out. I'm going to put my best. I'm going to hope for the best and plan for the um, hope for the best and plan for the worst. Yeah. So Great. go in there. Yes, but I wouldn't think like um, a couple. Um, not to put anybody on blast. Let me just be careful how I say this. Yeah. If yeah. I've had a <laughs> someone reach out to me to troubleshoot problems that they would have known had they put in a little bit more research into what they were doing. Instead of, you know, I'm not of the go on to YouTube and rely on that for your only source of information. No, you need to cross-reference. And I think, you know, research everywhere that you can. Find as much information as you possibly can and be okay with that. Because sometimes, and be okay knowing that it may not work out the first time. So like I said, a lot of people will might make their first batch of soap and it comes out rock hard and it's crumbling and it's, it's crappy, right? Or they can't figure out what's wrong. It's like, well, there's so many different elements to this. It's something that you need to have a... Um, and now that you've made that mistake, you can take note of it. What happened? You know, observe. Go go back to ninth grade science class. <laughs> observe what happened and make the necessary changes. So some people that might discourage them if they if they failed the first time. And some people they're like, Cool, I failed the first time. Yes, now I can try again. You know, just your attitude has a lot to do with how far you're gonna go. Definitely. And mindset is a big piece when it comes to business. So the last question that I have, and I think I asked it before, but it might have gotten lost in the shuffle somehow, is like for for the women who want to start off now, where how do you recommend they go and find their first customers? I did skip over that. Um, there's a oh, couple no. routes you can take. If you, it depends on what you're doing. So um, a lot of people take the online Etsy route, right? Um, capitalize on social media. Etsy is a place where a lot of handmakers hang out. It's a place where a lot of people who look for handmade goods hang out. So it might be a good um, trial for you to 
Um, take some really nice photographs of your offerings. Uh, put them up there. Describe them. Fill out the information and see how that goes. Um, some people that works for them. Or you can visit craft shows and find event vendor events. I actually did um, a couple blogs with tips to having a successful vendor show. It's featured on the mindyourblackbusiness.com website where you can find both of those um, blog articles. Um, so there's vendor events. Get out there. Talk to people. Go to entrepreneur networking groups. Um, you might meet people who know people. Like That's the biggest thing. You, have to, you can't just sit at home with your, your goods waiting for your customers to come find you. They'll never find you. Wow. You have to get out there and talk to people and go to events that are related to what you do. If you're if you make T shirts, maybe you want to go to um local artist show, local band local um musicians shows and things like that. And get to know people. Very good. All right, awesome. So I want to give you an opportunity, Onyx, to let people know how they can get a hold of your products. Do you ship anywhere or you have limited places? I ship everywhere. Okay, completely awesome. So um, tell us, first of all, how can people get a hold of you and what is your website? The website is amentuskey.com. We are also on Etsy. A, M as in Mary, E, N as in Nancy, T-A-S-K-E-Y dot com. That's our website. So it's Amentaski. Yes. Okay, awesome. And, and what then, is your yeah, email, phone, whatever? <laughs> um, you can use my 800-365-3586. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, Social media is at Amentus Key LLC. Completely amazing. Onyx Burrell, it has been very fulfilling talking with you today. I know that a lot of our women in this audience have been completely inspired. Their eyes have been opened. They no longer are thinking that they are locked in to those job titles that are created out of schools or colleges or <laughs> universities. Now the world and the sky is the limit to them. So yeah. I thank you so much for being here. And I want to give you an opportunity. If you would say one single thing to a woman who may be sitting and wondering, maybe scared, what would that one single thing be for you to encourage her on her journey? Mm. It may sound a little cliche, but it's really keep going, keep mm. moving. You don't fail unless you stop. Awesome. Keep moving. Very good. Very good. Very wise words. And thank you, Anes, for joining us. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today on the Dr. Gwen Show. Remember, you can visit me at www.thedrgwen.com. I'm also on Twitter. You can follow me there on Instagram, on Facebook. And I look forward to 
hearing your comments as you listen to this show. Feel free to listen and leave your comments. It will be on our blog page for this next week that's coming up on Sunday. And also you can listen on the iTunes website as well. And thank you everyone for joining me. This is Dr. Wen, Empowering Lives to Live Purposefully and Passionately.